Wow. So today, happy birthday, Mayor Steve DiDionato. I wasn't going to drop this episode for a few days, but uh, I got to drop this as a little birthday present. And hey, I called you the people's mayor for a reason, man. Uh, just so you guys all know, I, I offered to him before and after the podcast. I said, look, if there's anything you want me to take out, edit, change, uh, just let me know. And from the start to the end, he just told me, however it goes, that's how it goes. Uh, I have so much respect for that. And you know what? I love this town. And uh, I know that this town wouldn't be the same without you, Mayor Steve DiDionato. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for helping make this town the greatest little town in the world. And um, you're the man. So everybody, please welcome my guest. You know him, Mayor Steve DiDionato. I'm here, and I can't believe it. Mayor DiDionato, what is up? Not much. Not much. It's just a normal Tuesday night. Uh, just here, sitting here with you. I'm excited to, to have this opportunity to spend some time with you, Sam. He says it's an opportunity. Absolutely. This is not a normal Tuesday night for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is really surreal for me, sitting here with you. I've been watching your videos, keeping up with all the great things you do here. Um, I had no idea... Five months ago when I started the Camp Tuscaloosa podcast, I'd be doing the Pillars of Hamilton with Mayor Steve DiDionato. Um, you are a very loved man. Well, I, 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 we're very fortunate. We have an excellent town, and uh, we've been very blessed. Our family's been very blessed in the business, in DiDonato's. Uh, so uh, we just try to give back. We just try to give a little bit back. Just a cog in a wheel is all we are. So how does this happen? Like, how does someone decide? When does someone decide they want to be a mayor? And it was not just you, right? It was your brother as well? Yeah, my brother ran for mayor in uh, 2005. And uh, he was elected in November of five. He started serving in 2006. He worked four very, very hard years and did a tremendous job for the Renaissance at Hamilton. And uh, I saw uh, he seemed like he had, you know, hit a wall and he, he, you know, had other things he wanted to do. So I thought there was some unfinished business. So I jumped in. I jumped in. I was asked. I was honored. And I jumped in. Did you have to go through the normal process of campaigning and uh, getting votes? Sure. That first year we went, uh, we started working uh, probably March, April, and we ran all the way to November. Had every function we could, shook as many hands as we could, talked to as many people, tried to explain our position, what John had did, what we looked for for the future, and how we wanted to see Hamilton develop. Is this something that you and your brother thought of growing up, or how did this happen? No, I don't think so. We thought of that, no. No, we saw, uh, we saw Hamilton was going, uh, Hamilton is a tremendous town. And uh, we saw it, we thought, in the early 2000s was going possibly in a, in a direction that it, it could use some improvement. It could use some polishing, right? Downtown uh, Main Street was just getting started. Uh, there was still a lot of work to do uh, on, on Bellevue Avenue and, uh, and get to try to bring some industry into town and some jobs back. In the late, uh, late 80s, starting in the 80s, there was, seemed to be a brain drain going on in Hamilton. A brain drain? A brain drain. What does I that mean? It. it means like uh, we had a lot of talent in high school and, and they just went to college and they never came home again. 
They went to other areas. They took their talents and went to New York, to Philly, to wherever. And oh. I call it a brain drain. And we, some of our best talent, some of our, you know, uh, was moving on to other opportunities. So that wasn't a good thing for Hamilton. Uh, and uh, sometime in the early 2000s, everybody said, hey, listen, let's stand up and fight for our town that we love. Let's uh, put some effort back into it. And, and this is where it brings it to today. Okay, so I'm pretty new. I'm still very new, and I love this town. I mean, anyone who's listening to this podcast or has been knows how much I love this town by this point. And you're a Hamiltonian. I heard that on another podcast. You're absolutely a Hamiltonian. (laughs) If you love this town— Wait a minute. Yeah. Are you for real? Yeah, a Hamiltonian is somebody who loves their town and somebody who overachieves, and you do both. Oh, man. So you are a Hamiltonian in my eyes. Absolutely 100% Hamiltonian. Am I blushing? I'm, I thought this was going to happen in about 25 years, no, Mayor. No, but you're if, there. <laughs> I'm a Hamiltonian. Oh, my gosh. All right. You hear that, babe? Lisa's going to be very excited. And tell Ben Ott while you're with, when you're with him next that yeah. he's a Hamiltonian also. He gives back to the community. He's president of the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. He's got a business in town. He's a Hamiltonian. Oh, That's right. what we need. Men men and women who are willing to step forward, invest money in our town, and, and love the town the way we all do. All right. I'm going to wear this with great, great pride, all Mayor right. Steve. <laughs> um, but I have a question. Yes, sir. After I get myself together after hearing that, wow. Um, so you say you love this town, and you obviously do, but it's not the same town that it was what 15 years ago did you was there the same what was the general consensus of were there the people who loved Hamilton like they do today even back then back when Main Street was not Main Street it was actually a dangerous area yeah they they always loved their town they were proud of their town they probably when somebody came to visit them like I heard uh, Deputy Mayor Gribben say they gave them directions around skirted through the town maybe they didn't show off their town but right now it's front and center and they're say it loud say it proud they're from Hamilton so even back then though people had pride in this place absolutely absolutely that's what brought it back the pride the heart you 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 can't you can't create that it's either there or it's not. And that pride and heart is what Hamilton will always, 150-plus years, it'll keep going strong. We're only here for a nanosecond in time, but Hamilton's here for the long haul. What were they proud of back then? They were proud of their schools. They were proud of their community. They were proud where they lived, their home. They, 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 yeah, their doorstep, their, their town of Hamilton, the, the Bellevue Avenue was in need of repair. And they knew it, but nobody could seem to figure out the right combination that would bring it back. Uh, malls were popular. This seemed like the small stores, uh, you know, and uh, a group got there and they, a restaurant opened, a coffee shop opened, and, it, you know, people like Linda Cashan. There's Linda Cashan, the Cashan family. It doesn't get any better than that. They invested when, when Hamilton was down and out, and they put their money where their mouth is, front and center, went to work, and started pushing the wagon up the hill. Yeah. If, if anyone wants to hear the full story on that, they can go back to my interview with Linda Kashan, which was fantastic. Um, and so now that you're mayor, what are the big successes that you're really proud of? I know you do so much work. I'm, I'm always keeping up on Facebook. What, what is it that you, you know, when you take a step back and finally relax from this desk over here and from the mayor's desk, what, 
what is it that you look back and you say, man, I'm, I'm really glad I, I, I could play a part in that? Well, I'm most proud of the way Hamilton Bellevue Avenue looks right now. We have NJM that moved into town, right? They're hiring a lot of people. Tremendous rateable on 12th Street. You have uh, uh, Care, uh, Phil Devoid. We lost the hospital, right? A lot of things have changed in the healthcare industry. Thank goodness Care stepped to the plate, opened up a sled. Uh, now we have some health care options they're adding on now. It's a tremendous thing. So uh, we're, we're very fortunate to have some strong rateables, big rateables. But the small business is the backbone of America. Mm. It's the backbone of Hamilton, the small mom and pop shops. I think this place has the best small businesses that I've ever seen. Not because... I mean, yeah, there's great products. I mean, you can find the best cannolis. You can find, you know, a great cup of coffee. But there's something about going in these stores. There's like a heart to them. Do you feel it too? Absolutely. Well, Hamilton's, we're foodies, right? We're foodies from Baglianas to Inferreras to ShopRite to to your uh, Maplewoods, to your Columbias, your restaurants, and and many, many more. San Rocco, Anadas. We're foodies. We love food. We love pizza. We love food. Yeah. And uh, and the one thing in Hamilton, that same care and that love goes in, that they love their town, goes into their food, goes into their products. You know, if you're selling, for in, you're selling healthcare, you're selling camps, right? Yeah. If you don't love what you're doing, you know, you have to love that, you know, that love shows when you, you know, help that student get another, a better paper or better grade. That love is transparent. That's what shows. And, and it's either there or it's not. And if it's not there, Hamilton will see through it and, <laughs> and you will be gone and somebody will replace you. No doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, the love that goes into it. That's a great answer, and it's so true. And that must be why, I mean, I've been talking to people. I, I don't know you very well, um, so I had to go around. I asked people, you know, if I'm going to uh, interview Mayor Steve, like, do you have any recommendations on any questions? And I didn't get too many questions, but what I got were people saying, Steve's a great guy. Steve just gave me his cell phone number. Steve will be there for you. He's an awesome guy to talk to. I mean, I don't know if people call you this, but I'm calling you like you are like the people's mayor, man. Well, I don't know about all that. We just put our pants on one leg at a time, you know, and we try to treat others the way we would want to be treated, right? Uh, that's the, you know, if you, if, if somebody else was in the seat and I had a question, I'd want to be able to come up to Harry or Joe, the mayor, and say, hey, listen, this is my concerns. This is my thoughts. Because ultimately, mayor and council has more interaction with residents than any other, any other government, right? You're not as active with your president. You're not active with your Congress. But your your local, you know, that's your police. That's your trash. That's your, you know, your festivals. You know, it's 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 all wrapped up in one. Yeah. And and they're the things you need to live day to day. So that's near and dear to you. So you want services and, and you want to be able to, hey, man, they missed my can, Steve. What could you do to help me out? No problem. We got it. Yeah. yeah. So. That's really cool, man. I don't feel like, I mean, I'm, I've moved around a lot. To be able to just ask of your mayor and then to receive from your mayor, I don't think, I think it's pretty rare and I think it's really special. I mean, it goes along with what you were saying before. You obviously put your heart into what you're doing. If, if you, whatever you're doing, you have to give 110%, I believe, to be successful. If that's, you know, uh, running the daycare, running a restaurant, running a bowling center, run, you know, working for the town as mayor. You have to give 120%. And if you're not committed and you're not willing to do that, then at that point, and you, if you do get burned out, it's time to step aside and say, 
let's pass the mantle to somebody else. Let so somebody is else that, run with it. Is that what happened with your brother, that he just got burnt out? or? I think there was a lot of other things, a lot of other commitments in his life. And uh, and his, his son was growing up, and he wanted to spend a lot more time with his son. Mm. So there was some family commitments, some different things. And, uh, and uh, he, he, you know, I, he just felt it was time to do some other things with the family. Yeah, I hear that. I'm very lucky in the sense that my profession allows me to be around my kids like all the time. Um, But if I had to be away from them, I I totally would understand that. Um, So onto harder stuff, the pressure of being a mayor. I mean, do you feel pressure at times? Did you feel pressure at the beginning and then you found relief somehow? (laughs) Yeah, so honestly, the first term, first term, the first year, Yes, I was. I felt the pressure. There's no doubt about it. But I try to just say I. I tried to. My motto was always been. My mantra has always been. Watch the. I love baseball. Watch the ball coming slow. Try to slow the game down. Mm. Just try to slow the game down. Don't. Don't let it. Don't speed it up. You know. And I used to say at the beginning I was like a duck on a pond. You know, the duck looks calm on the top, but underneath. If you looked under the, at the feet of the duck, they're paddling like heck to stay above. <laughs> so I just try to slow it down, watch the ball come in slow, and just try to slow it down until I got my feet under me, so to speak. Yeah. And has it gotten easier as you've progressed? Or, I mean, I, I, I know there's so many variables to this position. Like, I guess you never really know what's going to come at you at any day. You don't. You don't. But it does get easier with time, with experience. It's just like anything, right? It, it, it gets easier. Yeah, it gets easier, and you start learning the position, and it's uh, it's honestly, I, I I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Uh, I do enjoy it tremendously. I enjoy the chess match of the different, you know, times with politics. I enjoy the chess match. You enjoy that chess match. I do. I do. Bless your heart, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got my own thing. I, you know, I'm doing with this kid and then that parent and like, you know, I, I guess I enjoy that chess match too, but man, the chess match, the, the difference is, is though, okay. Like I said, you're the, I believe the people's mayor and you definitely get a lot of love, but being a politician, I mean, you're definitely not going to please everybody. You have to make decisions, right? Like really tough decisions sometimes that are ultimately going to upset somebody. Yeah. You, you, you. What you have to do is try to stay focused, right? What's best for 15,000 or almost 15,000 residents in the town of Hamilton? And you can't say, all right, this decision is going to be unpopular on mm. ha- for Harry or Sally or Jane, but the other 14,997 are going to be good. So you do the best you could. And, and you know, the other thing we say is uh, to make an omelet, sometimes you have to break a few eggs. And it, yeah. it's not going to be... It's not going to be perfect, and I'm not going to be loved by everybody, but I have to try to stay focused and do what's right by the majority and the town of Hamilton. So how have your friends had to deal with that? Have you ever had to make a decision that goes against what your friends – I had. I have to imagine you, that's yeah, happened. Sure you do. Sure you do. And, and, you, and you go – and sure you do. You, you, you've made some hard feelings with friends that you've had all your life, and, mm. and I usually go to them and say, look, let's sit down, let's talk it out. I'll tell you why I did what I did. You tell me why you did what you did. At the end, we'll respectfully, if we still disagree, we disagree and we move forward. I've had a few people that, unfortunately, don't talk to me anymore. Really? But the majority, the majority, the majority understand. They really do. And they say, okay, at the end, they say, 
you know, you're in it for the right reasons. So if you show them your heart, if you show them your soul and, and you and you try to show them that you're out for them and their family and, and you want better for your community, they realize. I love realize. that. I love that. And I've been saying that to Lisa ever since we took over the business that like we might do something or say something that might not be great for, I don't know, whatever, but whatever we do. It's always from our heart, and we always try to do what we believe is the best for the kids. Uh, so I, I hear you 100%. So I have a question. What do your what have your kids thought of all this? I mean, their dad is the big man on campus. Like, yeah. what what do they think? Well, when we st- when we started this ride, my son was my daughter would have been 18, and my son was 17. So they were both. One was already in college. One was just graduating, and. Uh, I, they didn't think much of it because my daughter was very involved in Hamilton first with my brother. So she was uh, she would go around door to door. She would pass out vegetables. She would uh, go around <laughs> with him and spend a lot of time with my brother. So she, for her, it was second nature. Uh, my son is a little quieter, mm. you know, a little more reserved. So for him, I think uh, – the limelight is not for him, and he probably wishes I wasn't in it. Does he really? <laughs> probably. Yeah. In the back of his mind, he probably says, you know, uh, you know, uh, he's, yeah. he's a very quiet, very, uh, very respectful, and excellent, tremendous man. Now, one of the two of them are about to have a child, am I right? My daughter has two children. She has a two-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh, you're uh, a new grandfather. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah? Oh, that's... If I knew having grandkids was going to be this much fun, I would have skipped having the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you show up, give some presents, some love, yeah. and when you're ready, bye, guys. The rest is you. You, you sugar them up. You, you, <laughs> go home to mom and dad and go to sleep tonight. <laughs> oh, I look forward to those days as well. Not that I'm rushing it, yeah. but that just sounds like a nice nice thing right yeah, there. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a grandson and a granddaughter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How's it having a, a granddaughter? Uh, she's, she's the one-year-old, and she's, she's beautiful. She's always smiling. She's always happy. Uh, my grandson is, a, a, you know, he's, he's a little more reserved, but uh, he's great. It's so much fun. Awesome. So, okay, I think I was talking to Brooke, who mentioned, you know, you always want to – there's always work to be done. Maybe it was Tom who said this, that there's always work to be done. What do you want and hope – for say ten years from now, what 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 does a better Hamilton look like to you? Okay, well, so years ago, Hamilton, probably in the seventies, right? They had a gentleman named Nick Shalani who was overseer highways. At that time, they went through and in house they did a lot of the roads. And over the years, unfortunately, we didn't keep up our infrastructure. Now we've been making some tremendous investments. We, Hamilton needs to invest every single year, and we can't skip a period of 10, 15 years. We have to invest a million or 15, a million and a half, excuse me, 15, a million to a million and a half every year in roads. If we do that, and we do that over 30, 20, 30, 40 years, we'll, then we'll go back and be able to do those, some of those same roads again. It's the way to keep up the infrastructure. If you skip 20 years, 15 years, like we did a generation, it's hard to catch up. So to do the right thing for Hamilton in, in its roads, you have to maintain. If it's, if it's investment in the community, you can't take a day off. It, it's just like a business, right? You're, you're in the camp in, in school. You're either growing as a business or you're dying. Mm. 
you don't get the opportunity to stay stagnant. You might want to. But you can only <laughs> say stagnant. You know, you say, well, geez, we had, you know, we had a great year. I would love to see this. But if you stay stagnant too long, somebody's going to pass you by. Mm. And somebody's going to fill your shoes, right? Right. So you have to keep saying, what could I do to improve my business? What could I do to improve this town? What could I do to keep growing? So uh, Yeah, so you're always motivated, huh? I'm always motivated. Uh, I'll tell you a story. I've been motivated since I was five years old, and I'll tell you something that was... Uh, my father was in a bowling business, May 8th, 1966. It was his birthday and Mother's Day. We were in Pennsylvania. We went for a, a picnic. We come over the bridge. We hear spectacular fire at Di Donato's Bowling Center. My father... I still remember, and I was four years, four years and nine months old. We must have got home from Philly in about 20 minutes. By the time we got here, the place was done. It was to the ground. They lost everything. Was it right, right here? Where right, on this, right on this site we're sitting tonight. Oh. And they, they lost everything. And uh, that night, uh, I was had the closest bedroom to the kitchen. That night, about 10, 1030, my father finally got home after he, my mother took us home. He came down here and... I guess he just walked the rubble and probably cried most of the afternoon and the evening. And he got home, and uh, he was in the kitchen with my mother, and they were crying. And they had three kids, three boys, all under the age of six at the time. And uh, I still remember my mother saying, Tip, what are we going to do? Tip, what are we going to do? Now I'm five years old, and I could hear him crying in the kitchen because my bedroom was the closest to that. And that motivates me still to this day. I still hear my mother's voice. I still hear those tears, and I will never stop being motivated. When I lose that motivation, that drive, I will step aside from business, mayor, everything. What was it about that that gave you this motivation? When my father looked, my father must have looked at my mother, and she was crying. She was sobbing bad. And he, he looked at her, and he said, Phil, we'll be all right. We're rebuilding in the morning. Oh. <laughs> now, this is like 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night after he lost everything. He was underinsured. He lost everything. Phil, we're going to rebuild in the morning. I got the chills. Wow. And he knew that there was only one way to go, and that's you got to keep going forward. You can't stop. You can't stop. You can never stop. Was he always like that, your father? My father is 88 years old, and he's still here every morning. Uh-oh. Beats me here in the morning. Rock he just He walks around the building. He tells me what I'm doing right. <laughs> tells me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> and I love it. I hope it lasts for a lot more years. 88? 88. We lost my mother about three years ago. But, oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, thank you. But uh, I, I hope he's with us for another 20 years. Yeah, and, and it must be really cool for him to see what you're doing with this place. And this place, as far as Hamilton, the place, all of it. Yeah, he's, he's very proud of all three of his boys. He's, he's a fr- pr- very proud father mm. of all three of us. That's awesome. So at that moment, you saw the motivation in your father and you decided, I'm going to be like that? Yeah, I always, I always, I was... My father was my hero, right? Like, uh, you know, five years old, I think all fathers are heroes, but then it never stopped. I mean, when I went through middle school, high school, he was always my hero. Until this day, if, if I think I can help my father, I'd cut my right or left arm off for him. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Did he ever run for mayor or hold any No, he was, he was asked. He was asked a lot of times. He never held a position. He used to tell me, Steve, 
We're in public business. We're in, in a bowling business, <laughs> a restaurant. You don't throw a pebble in the Hamilton Lake because it's an ocean by the time it hits the White Horse Pike. <laughs> <laughs> and he would always preach to me, don't get involved. But You did it anyway, did it anyway. man. I would be terrified being a teacher, being a – I mean, yes, you own a very public place where yeah. kids come or, like, families come. I, I was terrified. I got involved in 05. I ran for school board. I was terrified, but at the time the school was in, you know, need of improvement. Uh, that was your first um, involvement in, in politics mm. or, or uh, public service was the school board. And I won in April of '05 and spent four and a half years at the school. What did you do there? Well, the school, I was, uh, I, I was never trained. I was never trained in college, right? I went to twelfth uh, grade is as far as I went in school. Uh, but I mathematics and uh, bookkeeping, I, I was self-taught. When I got to the school, uh, I was there about a month or two, and I identified a problem they had. I looked at the spreadsheets and the budgets. I was on the financial uh, advisory committee, and I realized we had a we either had we had a deficit. We were in a, I, I had projected as a million-dollar deficit, and I walked my halls in my house about three or four nights. And I finally called up the president and I said, uh, you know, something's going on at the school. We're a million dollars or plus in deficit. I said, you know, I'm concerned that somebody's adjusting the books or we're not seeing the right books. Huh. Well, we had a, within a day or two, they, they had a meeting and they actually video, t- uh, you know, recorded the meeting because I guess I made a statement that possibly somebody was cooking the books i i don't think i meant it the way it came out what is cooking the books mean? cooking books is an old italian term they're 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 making the books do what they want to do okay they're not showing you everything and they recorded the meeting and i said listen i says i know we're a million dollars in it in a hole here this school's in trouble uh and uh, i says where are the bills at sure let's open the filing cabinets let's see all the bills see the safes well, within a couple of days, they showed us we had an audit, and we were $1.2 million in deficit. And, uh, and I said, that can never happen again. We had to borrow some money to pull out of it. And, uh, but it's just something, bookkeeping, mathematics, uh, reviewing uh, ledger sheets. I, I never went to school to be an accountant. You didn't even go to college? No. Whoa. No, no, no but it's just something that just comes naturally, you know. Uh, so... Uh, School moved forward from there. I spent another three years there. We pulled out of that deficit. We paid every dime back. In your three years, in, you guys in were In our able three to... years. Wow. And ran a surplus before I left there and moved to mayor. How did you do it? Uh, I think uh, after the first year, they let me lead the financial oversight committee. We brought in the new uh, business administrator, Barbara Prettyman, who is still there, who's fantastic. She was an auditor by trade, uh, trained as an accountant. And she's done a fantastic job, and the school's stronger than ever. I can't, I mean, being a father, I'm so happy about the schools. I mean, yeah. I've, I've attended the meetings. They've invited me to the meetings, and I'm sitting there uh, with the ECEC crew. That, that's a group of passionate teachers. I'm sitting at that table, and I'm thinking, okay, you're passionate, you're passionate. I mean, it's for a teacher who's also passionate about the profession, it's really great to see. And I've worked at many schools, and of course I've attended many schools. I haven't seen that before. No, we have. We, we, it's, it's amazing, some of the staff that's at our schools now. And you got to give a lot of credit to uh, uh, Mary Lou uh, DeFrancisco when she came in, made some adjustments, you know, and then you had uh, Dr. Dan and now uh, 
Dr. Kieko. They're doing an excellent job. Okay. Even at school. And then the board's doing an excellent job. Yeah. Shout out to you, Sam Mento, yeah. for sure. Board, the school teachers, they're, they're working as a team. And when you work, any, any organization, when you work as a team and everybody's focused on a goal, Mm. Right? It's easy to obtain. It's so Easier. true. So true. I've seen many teachers who just want to do their, uh, not here, but elsewhere, think that they have all the answers and they know the right thing and the other teachers don't know what they're doing. And it just causes chaos. And uh, the way that they're just a well-oiled machine over there, it, it comes out with the students. I mean, you can just see it with the kids, with my own son, um, with Miss Aloisio, who I'm still asking you, Miss Aloisio, come on my show. She's shy. <laughs> she was, I couldn't have asked for a better kindergarten teacher for him. And the one thing, yeah, being a well-oiled machine is, is important. Uh, but the most important thing is the same thing you've got, the same thing I've got, and that's passion for it. You're working with kids. You're impacting lives. Um, you gotta be. You gotta have your heart and soul into it. Yeah, you have to have your heart and soul because it's not easy, right? You know, there's some moments when you're teaching. There's some situations that are very stressful, but if you love it, you'll get through those stressful, and then you'll get to the great moments. Yes, preach, my friend, preach, yeah. absolutely. Oh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting some really special moments now that I'm 15 years in. Where I mean, I get special moments every day. These teachable moments with kids but you don't know where it's going to go with them. And then I'm getting emails now and Facebook messages from my old students who are, you know, thanking me and they're, they're married and having kids now. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And to know that, like, um, I am one of those teachers that they remember that made them feel good. You know, it's very special to me. Sure it is. Sure it is. My, my son is a teacher in Haddonfield. He teaches physics and, uh, and theater and astronomy. Wait a minute. And, uh, Your son who's shy? Yes. He teaches theater? He teaches theater. He's 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 shy. He's he's very outgoing with the things that he likes. Politics and things like that he's very shy with. Okay, but he can get on that stage. Oh, but he's uh he's he's a tremendous talent. Playing the piano, my son is multi-talented. Thank goodness he takes after my wife. Okay. Oh, is is your <laughs> wife uh like a My a wife loves performer? Music. My my wife loved plays and music and uh, and uh, so he's singing, so uh, What yes. kind of music are you guys into? My wife, if you ask her, when we first started dating, I walked in the house and she had the psychedelic furs on. The psychedelic <laughs> furs? <laughs> she, Dare she, I ask, what are the psychedelic, psychedelic furs? Psychedelic furs were like a, uh, uh, well, it was, it was like hard rock. It was more than hard rock. It was, uh, it was headbanging back in the, in, the, in the 70s and 80s. It Get was out of here. Stuff. Yeah. I've got to listen to this. Yeah, you check it out. You check it out on YouTube. Psychedelic first. Yeah. What are you into? I'm not big in music. You don't I'm, listen to any music? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not really big in... I mean, I'll turn on the radio when I'm in a truck. Something to, in the background? Just some in the background, but that's not... Uh, okay. That's not what... Yeah, that's all your wife, huh? Yeah, it's all her. Yeah, Debbie, right? My wife, Debbie. Shout yes. out to you, Debbie. She, I think we just became friends on Facebook. She's awesome. She's a great woman. She's a great woman. Most people in Hammett didn't like me because of my wife. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she's always smiling and happy. She's, she's she awesome. She seems like a... I mean, I've, I've only been seeing her through Facebook for the, first, for the last uh, week or so, but she seems like a very positive, supportive type of person. Oh, you won't get a bad word out of my wife. You won't... You won't 
she won't say anything not nice about anybody. She just loves everybody. Ah, you lucked out, huh, I, man? I hit the lottery. Yeah. I How long have you guys been married? We've been married 30, uh, now you had to ask that, 32 years in May. Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> it was 32 <laughs> no, years in May. Yeah. May 3rd was 32 years. I got four kids. I'm like trying to memorize dates yeah. and birthdays. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> uh, where did you guys meet? Are you both born and raised Hamilton? We we went to Hamilton, born and raised in Hamilton, graduated in the same class. And then uh, she went on to college. I went on to do some other things. And then we reconnected in the in the late 80s. You guys were dating before college, and then you reconnected. No, we were. Believe it or not, we liked each other in seventh grade. Oh, seventh grade, middle school sweethearts. Middle school sweethearts. <laughs> middle school sweethearts. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to meet her one of these days. I look forward She's to it. She's a good girl. So, going back to the bowling alley, how did that train happen? Like, what? When did, did that start? And whose idea was it? There's a. It seems like there's a lot that goes into that. The train started as a, uh, you know, some of my, some of my, the best things that ever happened to me came from politics, in all honesty. And the train is one of them. From politics? From politics. It was, uh, we had a, one year we had a train sign and it was a Halloween parade. And they said, boy, it'd be nice if we built a train and, and had, drove a train through the parade. So I was drawing on paper and I had an excellent carpenter because I'm also in KMD construction. And I drew a train around a tractor. And he built it. And we drove it through. I drove it through the Halloween parade that night. It was 2011, 2012. And everybody in, no, it was 11, I believe, 10 or 11. Everybody had so much fun on the train. And I'm watching young and old. I said, boy, this will be a tremendous tool for birthday parties. You know, we'll give them a train ride outside because it was always grass and yeah, I was so wondering what it was like, back there before. Yeah, it was always like a field with grass. I said, we'll mow it, and we'll make it like a park, and give him a train ride, and you get a birthday party and a train ride. So then we started thinking, and I met a landscaper who says, you know, you got to put some Christmas decorations up, and you got to do something Halloween, Christmas, and Easter. And it just, you know, my daughter started running with the ball, and then she got pumped up. And, oh, this is most of your daughter's yeah, uh, lot, creation. Lot of her, a lot of the ideas are my daughter's. Yeah, I did it for the first time last year, and I was blown away i was yeah. like man there's a lot going on here christmas time especially the other the other events are there's a lot going on but at christmas there's an enormous amount it's, oh my gosh there's like and then you have get to meet santa at the yeah, end of it yeah. this place man this is like when i try to explain to people this small town i think people stereotype small towns oftentimes it's really hard to explain like just this place that you own where you can come here and, and bowl. You can bowl anywhere, but you can also do the psychedelic golf. Yeah. You guys have a train for Halloween and Christmas. And and this place, like, oh, dude, the food? Like, who, who put this together? Sir, your food is ridiculous. Thank you. Yes. Who, how, who do you attribute that to? Because everyone – who goes to a bowling alley for food? This is like – it's unbelievable how good it is. Yeah, we had we had a vision in 2011. We started remodeling the place, and we wanted to add food. First, we were going to go with uh, just maybe a you know little snack shop, and then uh, uh, you know I, I met a guy, uh, Gonzo, uh, Bob Injimi, who was a cook at San Rocco at the time, and he was looking for full time, and I guess they didn't have full time for him. So he came here for a while, and he, he was here for five years, and he developed tremendous recipes. He did a great job. Uh, along the way, we've hired Anthony Sacco now, who used to be with Amada in Atlantic City. 
who's taken us to a whole new level. So we have, uh, we just, just, it just happened, you know. We, the same thing, you know. Everything you do, you try to do top shelf, you know. Yeah. And we try to just compete with ourselves. We don't compete with, try not to compete with any restaurant, anybody else. We're competing with ourselves and always trying to raise the bar, so to speak. What year did this place open? With the restaurant we opened October 4th, 2012. We've been in the bowling business since 1952. 1952. Yes. So it's like you were saying before, like you can't stay stagnant. You were like continuing since 1952. Well, the bowling business changed, right? And, and How sometime so? in the late late 90s, early 2000s, leagues started falling out of favor. Huh. Bowling leagues. Uh, so it, it became more of a weekend business. So we said, okay, people wanted to eat one their bowl and they wanted to, you know, so we had to change. We had two ways to go in, in, by 2010. We either had to sell and move on, let somebody else make the changes, or we had to recreate and reconstruct ourselves and change the business model. That's a hard thing and to do. It's a very hard thing to do. It's scary, and it's hard. And after, what, five decades or four decades? I mean, yep. man. Yep. And, and, and imagine trying to do that when you're, when you're 51, 52 years old. And you really don't want to change anymore because you're really looking at setting those. Ways. You're really looking at, hey, listen, I only have another ten years and I can retire, you know, <laughs> or twelve years. So you're you're saying, geez, maybe maybe retirement sounds better. Oh but man, that motivation, you... that motivation from my mother and father, just came out and kicked it in gear and let's go. You seem like your motivation's still at an all-time high. It is. It is. I'm pumped. Yeah, Hamilton first. Yeah, tell me about your team. Hamilton first. We have uh, excellent uh, Tom Gribben, Deputy Mayor. Let's start with Deputy Mayor Tom Gribben. Man, know, you, you don't get any much better than Tom Gribben. Uh -uh. From the from the family to the, uh, I mean, he's got a tremendous wife and, and three beautiful children. Uh, he's a great family man. He loves his town. Uh, he's a tremendous lawyer, very intelligent, very reserved, tremendous dresser. Oh, I we, mean, Mr. we spoke about Mr. this. Mr. GQ. I mean, you don't get any better than that, right? I will be consulting with you, John, <laughs> uh, Tom Gribben. You know, and then you, then you go to uh, Sam Rodeo. Sam Rodeo served. He's been involved in Hamilton first since the beginning, 2005. Oh, he's one of the originals. He's one of the originals. Is he the last original who's still? It's still involved, yes. Wow. He's Sam is unbelievable. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He'll do anything. He runs our, uh, he's in charge of the roads. He's in charge of the highway. He works very hard to keep, you know, the trash, the services all up. Excellent, excellent, hardworking, loves this town. Uh, Brooke Sacco, I mean, Brooke, quality of life. There's no better than Brooke. I mean, she's on it. I mean, a couple weeks from now, she's going to be cutting cutting a ribbon and, uh, and bagging for the hunger at ShopRite to uh, – to whatever the case may be, Brooke Cut, is cutting a ribbon at Shoprite. Yeah, they feed the hunger every year. Oh. They raise money to feed the hunger, and they cut a ribbon that day to open up the, you know, the open up the aisles to feed the hunger, and uh, and raise money. And, and she's there every year. She's excellent. She works hard. She's I don't know how Brooke does what she does because, you know, she has three children. And she just had a baby. She was elected while she was pregnant, right? Or, or got elected, then got pregnant right away. And had a baby, and now she's running with a one-year-old. It's amazing. She's, I think she's just as motivated as you are. Oh, uh, she's, she's an ever-ready bunny. She, she keeps going. Yeah, she does. And then you have Jonathan, right? Jonathan Olivia. He's the only one I haven't really yeah. met. I don't know yeah. too much about Jonathan. Engineer. Trained as an engineer. Works at South Jersey Gas. His wife, Amanda. 
She's pregnant. They're going to have a first child. Real soon, too, right? I believe late in the year, maybe January, December, oh, okay. January, you know, right in that time frame. Uh, very exciting time for them. A great family, lived all their lives in Hamilton. I mean, just good people. And, you know, and uh, you know, they just work hard for the betterment of Hamilton. I love Hamilton first. I'm so tired of the us versus them mentality in the media today. I'm so tired of, of people. I, I really feel like people are competing against each other. Like, uh, I'm on this team, so uh, I'm always right and you guys are always wrong. I feel like Hamilton first is – I. Is it possible? Can we get an America first? Is that even possible, man? Where people are just, I don't know. I feel like it's a team. Like, they label themselves a Democrat. They label themselves a Republican. And then they just fight for their team. Yeah, right now there's too much noise in, in politics. Everybody's just, just you know, if, if somebody says it's blue, like you say, somebody says blue and they're a Republican, the, the Democrats got to say, no, it's red. And they, Whether they have a good idea or a bad idea, it's just it was the other guy who or the other party that came up with that idea. They both have good ideas. They both have bad ideas. Let's work together for the betterment of the country and let's lower the volume, too, because the volume doesn't help. Right. All that noise doesn't help it. There's you're hurting people's feelings. You're it's just you're not getting anything solved. You're not getting anything solved. You're just all you're doing is making a lot of noise. So. I would hope they turn down or everybody would turn down a rhetoric, take a deep breath and say, what could we do best for our country? What could we do best for our kids, for our unborn kids, for unborn grandkids? What could we do to make America better today? Yeah. Yeah. And that's I can see that's what your message is for Hamilton. I see these long-winded posts on Facebook of one person giving their opinion. And of course, then you get the stream of like, what? No, then uh, they give their side, and it's no one convinces anybody of anything. And I feel like, and I don't even want to know what party you guys lean towards, but I feel like Hamilton First is just a mix of people who probably all have their own opinions, but are willing to sit down and figure out what's best. Well, some of the most important things you can do in this in this world, right, is just listen. Sometimes you sometimes you'll learn more by listening than talking. Mm. And and that's what we try to do at Hamilton First. We try to listen and respect each other's opinion because somebody might, you know, have have a different way of building the mousetrap that in the end is better. So let's listen to them and explain it out and talk it out. Or maybe they'll have an idea, you have an idea, and then you merge the two together. Now you have a super idea. <laughs> so, you know, you got to just try to listen and learn and uh, and work together. Yeah, listening is a, is a really important skill, right? Uh, I had I had to learn in teaching. You know, most everyone wants to be heard, right? Yeah, I love the work that you guys do. Um, hey, I have a question. Are sure. you ready for some questions from the chat pack? Absolutely. What do we got? Well, dude, I have to say that. Okay, normally I let people pick them at random, but before you do that, my favorite question, one of my favorite out of these, my son decided to bite in half. And so it's got some staples, and um, I would like you to read this and uh, tell me what you believe the answer is. Okay. What is the one major problem, either in our town, nation, or throughout the world, that you honestly feel you have pretty well solved, you will have pretty well solved within 20 years? Yeah. One major problem. 
There's some major problems out there. What, do you think there any are. of them can be solved in 20 years? Yes, I think there is one problem. And that's the scariest problem or the gorilla, the 500-pound gorilla, I call it, in the room. And that's the American deficit. Uh, I think we have to slowly, whether you're a Republican, a, a Democrat, or an Independent, we have to slowly chip away at that deficit. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. The, the step one is to try to balance the budget. Uh, and then step two is to slowly, incrementally chip down at that deficit. Because ultimately... Uh, that deficit, if not brought under control, will eat this country up alive. But you think that in 20 years it could be, if not solved, well on its way? It's Yeah, it's a long-term thing, right? It's I think it's going to take three to five years just to get a balanced budget, slowly, incrementally. You're not going to balance the budget you know, just by snapping your fingers. You're going to have to incrementally say, okay, you know, if we're running a, a trillion-dollar deficit today we got to get it down to 750 then 500 then 250 okay now we're balanced now we got to try to positive have maybe try to have positive have a couple 250 300 million every year going to start paying off the deficit i mean the deficit is like it's scary like what trillion like it's scary i think we're near 22 trillion it's 22. very scary oh my it's very scary because i don't want to see my grandkids be saddled with that i don't want to see your mm. kids and grandkids be saddled with that so it, at some point there's only two ways out of it right it's either tr pay a tremendous amount of interest or inflation so i i believe that's that's one of the things we have to inflate your way out of it and yeah. just print money and that's that's not good okay and so I just don't know. I'm just uneducated in this. Like I hear these big numbers. Oh my God, 22 trillion. You know, whatever. What happens to a country when the deficit doesn't go away or just continues to increase? What ends up happening? You print money and you have major inflation, and that's that's not good for you know, especially those older that are on fixed incomes. They can't handle that inflation. You know, the younger the younger people will make more money, but the older ones will not be able to retire. Uh, they're on fixed incomes. They're they're going to have a very tough time. Yeah. And and when you have a country that's older like ours, that the baby boomers are all now hitting retirement age, and they've got two options. Either they're going to have to work into their 60s and 70s or work part-time in retirement, or uh, and it's going to be very painful. Yeah, that would be a real bummer. Yep. Okay. Now you get to choose. That was pretty choose. heavy. That was a heavy one. I had to ask you that one because I was really curious. I was very curious about that. I have my own. I really want factory farming gone, man. Uh, I think it's gross. I think that people are going to look back on that and shake their heads at us about that one. That's mine, but good answer. Uh, do you have time for one more, Mayor? Sure. All right. Shoes randomly. Oh, you're the only one who hasn't chosen right from the middle. Okay. You've been given the chance to travel into the future and to see how the world will change over the next 50 years. What change in particular are you most interested in? Robots. Oh. Robots. How will robots, robots are our future. How will they affect the workforce? How will they affect teaching? How will they affect this world? It's going to be interesting. How, how do you, you want to make a prediction right here on the podcast? You know, robots could... Robots could be a tremendous thing, uh, but also could be scary because now will it take all the starting wage jobs off the market? Uh, 
Mm. You know, will it take a lot of those jobs? You know, you, you might see robots in McDonald's, in, in all the fast food places. I think you are starting to see them already. Yeah. So is it going to take some of those jobs out for people who unfortunately didn't go to college, didn't have a science degree, didn't have a math degree? Science and math, I would recommend if I have a younger person, send them to school, educate them, you know. And not only a, not only a four-year degree, you're going to need a master's in science and math. And you're going to have to... Mm. work hard because that's where the world is science and math that's an excellent point that's really good advice but uh, I, I have to touch on you said education you seeing teacher you saying uh, robots might be teaching classrooms I think teaching is going to no, I don't know about that I don't know if they're going to be teaching classrooms but I think you're going to even in high schools you're going to see education is going to change to be more like the college setting where you see bigger classrooms Instead of uh, almost like, uh, you know, instead of 20 in a class, you'll see a physics teacher up there maybe teaching 70 or 80 people with an assistant. Almost, wow. Almost like, a, you know, a, a, a college setting. That sounds scary to me. Yeah. It I, is scary. Yeah. It is scary because it's scary because of a lot of things, and especially the only thing that could maybe tame that is no child left behind. Uh, what? The, you mean the testing policy that Bush... Well, not so much that, not so much, not, and I shouldn't say no child left behind. I should say more or less the independent where somebody needs an independent education plan uh, more than, you know, the, the uh, no child left behind, where they need a dedicated curriculum or a slower, you know, a slower, quicker program depending on their abilities. Okay. You I know? hear you. So, oh, okay. I got you. I got you now. You know what I mean? Yeah, Totally. Hey, before we go, is there anyone you want to give a shout-out to, Mayor Steve? No, no, I, I guess. <laughs> I, yes, I do. I want to give a shout-out to Hamilton. It's not a person. It, it's it's a thing. It's a community. And uh, I, I'm very thankful to be uh, to live in the community and to be mayor of the community. It, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. Yeah. I, I mean, I was looking at your resume. I, I didn't even get to half the stuff. You have quite a resume, sir. And being a great mayor is right at the top, and um, appreciate you as a mayor, and I really appreciate you calling me a Hamiltonian. Thank you very much. Thank you for doing this, Mayor Steve. Take Thank care. You.